Zeus Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Now back for a kind of traditional episode that happens at the end of each week. Uh, we had, of course, had Elijah Drinkwitz on Monday. Still listen, listen and check out to that if you can. But joining me, I think this is the first time in three episodes we've had him back on, the traditional host of the Mizzou Sports Podcast after a long, well-rested vacation. Langston Newsom, how you doing? Absolutely fantastic and happy to be back in the uh, podcasting room. How, how was how was the trip out to uh, the East Coast? Uh, it's actually kind of what you described, restful. Um, just got a, a chance to check my breath. I uh, was kind of, you know, not plugged in for about four or five days there. And I returned to Columbia and I checked my Twitter and I see the entire, you know, college football world's falling apart while I'm, <laughs> while I'm in Lynchburg uh, relaxing. Yeah, even since Monday when we recorded with Eli Drinkwitz then, there's been a ton of developments then. Uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12 officially canceled fall football that happened tuesday uh yesterday the ncaa canceled all fall sports championships which is everything but fbs football uh and that happened kind of if you read jim stirk's letter this morning to donors it happened without proper correspondence and it seems like the lack of transparency and correspondence is really what's failed not only the power five level but just the ncaa during this entire coronavirus stage it's just been one thing after another after another of just lack of just cohesion since the beginning it, it really seems like mark emmerich has just been you know what oh every conference can make their own decisions i'll just throw my hands up you know this isn't my decision to make uh, as the ncaa we're not we don't need to do this we don't need to do this and then when they finally do make a decision to cancel all fall uh, sports championships except for fps football like you already mentioned they're like okay let's just put the same amount we're not going to contact anyone it seems like the collaboration between the ncaa in conferences, you know, most notably the Power Five, it seems to be as close to zero as possible. It might be worse than zero because, like, when you expect them to communicate, they're not, and when they don't really need communication, they're getting it. So it's actually quite the opposite. It, it, it's bizarre. And if you saw his video on, I guess it was yesterday, Thursday, on Twitter that kind of announced it, they announced it in a Twitter video, and it's just like how positive he was, like, oh, we're going to get this done in the spring. Well, you didn't give the schools the necessary assistance to get things done in the fall. How, what assurance they can take from your words, especially in, at the end of that video, he had a complete 180 on how bubbles work. Complete 180. He said at the beginning of July, like, no, bubbles aren't a thing, especially when you look at, at the success, the continued success of the NBA and the NHL and how their testing is going. And he just, it's just a complete 180. I mean, this the messaging here. It's a shocker to hear to Mizzou fans. I'm sure the NCAA's messaging is a little convoluted. Definitely. And, you know, if... COVID-19 and the pandemic that has kind of followed has showed us anything. It's the people at the top um, aren't as competent as we would like or as you would hope. And that's not a, a dig at any of the conference um, chairmen or you know the Jim Sturks of the world. It's not a dig at them, but it is clear that everyone wasn't prepared for this but the way that they've handled this in the past few months it just it just raises questions because i know they have communication teams especially for the ncaa how do you just put out a video like that you don't have a statement there wasn't communication with the conferences before it just seems like there's there's a ton of people making decisions 
but none of them seem to be the right decisions. And I don't understand how you have a room full of people and you just consistently make the wrong decision. Yeah, the way it was kind of explained to me, and it does make a lot of, a lot of sense, and it's kind of just that there's no person, there's no czar of college football. Is what, what yep. is kind of what we need. There's no, like Kirby Hocutt was the original chair, the Texas Tech Athletic Director of the college football playoff. There's no person who is an intermediary outside of when it involves a college football playoff to coordinate between the 10 FBS football conferences. And that proved to be kind of the fatal flaw here. Because I was explained to me is, you mentioned Jim Sturk and, and Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, and their jobs are to watch out for their own backs. Why would Greg Sankey care about any other conference when he has 14 schools to worry about of his own and keeping them in check? Why would he care what Nebraska, we'll get to that in a little while, we'll be talking about camera, or UCLA, or name your random Big 12 or ACC school here? You know, why would he care about them when he's you know, nothing's in check yet for the 14 schools that he oversees? So, and if, and if you were watching kind of the Big Ten Network when Kevin Warren there, uh, commissioner was kind of I, I don't want to say he was having a lack of empathy but I, I just was not sold when he was having his interview on Big Ten Network as to why they were canceling the season he did not sell me at all that he was confident in his in his decision he, I, like, I don't know a way to describe it but it was like I left an interview like maybe it was just because the, I was so shocked by the news and I was so down by it or maybe it's just that just it, it, it seemed a little incompetent. I don't, I don't, I don't know the right word, and I don't know Kevin Warren. Never interviewed him personally, but it just seemed like it, it, there was just something missing. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up, just because in the two conferences, Power Five conferences that have already canceled, the difference in communication between Kevin Warren and Larry Scott for the Pac-12 yeah. is the Pac-12 had did their kind of press run where they debuted and they talked about the medical advice that they've gotten from their experts, and this is really had a detailed explanation of why the Pac-12 wanted to do this. And then you look at the Big Ten, and you've got Kevin Warren, and it's just like, and I've seen parts of that interview. You're just like, is this the best that you have? It's like, is is this is this what you're telling your fan bases right now as they kind of grieve and as Nebraska loses its mind? <laughs> is <laughs> is this the best that you can offer them? And it's just crazy to think, you know, we've got two conferences who have already made the decision. They're going to stand by those decisions. They've come to, in my personal opinion, I can totally understand. I'm not going to say it's the right decision, but I totally get it. And then they can't even com- communicate why they feel like they've made the right decision. It's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, the one thing you said uh, off-camera, we'll get to that in a, in a second, but uh, the way I've kind of rationalized it in, in my head is this is the right decision because you say so. Like, that's that, that's what we have to take. We have to take you at your word during a pandemic. That's not good enough, straight up. That's just not good enough. But one thing Langston said off-camera that I want to mention is like, yes, Nebraska kind of lost their mind, and they were like, well, we plan on playing football this fall, whether it's members of the Big Ten or not. And then kind of Ohio State kind of te- teased the same decision, and it's like, you said you can't remember a time when Nebraska was good, like they're throwing their weight around. Like, I mean, I, I probably have to look up my phone, but I at least remember a time that Nebraska was challenging for a national title at kind of the turn of the century with Eric Crouch winning that Heisman. And that, I think it was a 99, 2000, 2001 era right there when actually I think Oklahoma, Florida State were right at the top of college football then too. Yep, and that just shows the you know the six year difference between the two of us because when that was all breaking down, I was like, out of all the Big Ten schools, it wasn't you know Ohio State, it wasn't Michigan, it wasn't Penn State, really kind of shoving their weight around or showing how big of a deal they are. Because when you think of Ohio State, I mean, Ohio State football is bigger than the Big Ten to me. 
um, just because of the amount of success that they have and the brand that you know they that they've built. But when you see Nebraska out of all those schools act like they're mightier than thou and talking about how we'll break away from the Big Ten if you know we're gonna play football, it's just like you know it's you know I was like what the hell is happening? What is, if Michigan and Ohio State is taking this and accepting? what the Big Ten is doing and trying to move forward, why is Nebraska out of all schools thinking that they're bigger than the conference and that they're going to do whatever whatever they want to do? It was, it was mind-boggling to me to kind of watch all of that kind of go down. So I guess the season that I have in mind that I remember is 97 with Tom Osborne as their head coach when they beat Tennessee by 25 in the title game. That's kind of the season I have in mind, even though I know Eric Crouch kind of came a little bit later. It might have been 99 right around there I, i'm not up on my nebraska you know football history but but i looked it up on wikipedia real quick but i mean from what i know about nebraska they have a passionate fan base that like shows up rain or whatever like they they, they sell it every game despite everything so i mean yeah they kind of they, they kind of you know rally around this and, and lincoln there's something else to do like in missouri you have kansas city you have st louis i mean you have omaha close to lincoln maybe I mean, that's really that's that starting to. I mean, Nebraska is the show in town. Just like I mean, yes, in Columbia, it, it, it's true for Missouri football as well. It's just on a different scale out there because when you look around, in the closest metropolitan city to Lincoln is probably still Kansas City, and it's probably four hours away. You know, and I'm not trying to say that Nebraska doesn't have a fan base or they're not passionate about their football or oh, they, they do, they, or that they don't have history that's not what i'm saying but it's like we'll, we'll use the sec let's say the sec cancels football and the big 12 and the acc are still playing and vanderbilt comes out and says we don't care we're gonna play football and alabama's like okay no we're gonna listen to the sec It's like that's what it felt like in my mind obviously nebraska has more history and is better at football than vanderbilt but that's from a 22 year old who in 97 i was born that november that's how it felt so it is it, it, i'm gonna keep on saying it, it was just mind-boggling to me to kind of watch that go down but hey nebraska you guys think that you're better than you are that's that's cool <laughs> that's great that, i love that passion. that's a little harsh that's a quite the dig going to vanderbilt who's been the least competitive team in the sec ever i mean that when, last time that team went to a bowl might have, i think they went to a bowl in i think 2016 but like last time they actually challenged for a conference title, I'd have to look it up again. Good what luck. would be the more uh, the better comp, Old Miss? Uh, yeah, actually, probably Old Miss is a is, is a pretty good one with Lane Kiffin being their head coach compared to Scott Frost. It's actually a pretty good comparison right there. Because Mississippi State, I think, was challenging for early on in the college football playoff. Late when I was in college, they were with Dan Mullen before he went to Florida. They were challenging for a college football playoff spot. Mississippi State was. I remember that. So yeah, Ole Miss is actually not a bad. Missouri is probably a, <laughs> a little too high high brow at this point for Nebraska and their standards with Scott Frost. Uh, so yeah, no, Ole Miss is probably a really good choice. But before I forget, we actually had quite the special guest on this week's episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, uh, former Tribune reporter Cameron Teak Robinson actually jumped back on with us to talk some college football and his memories of Columbia. So before I forget, and while we're at a good transitioning point, here is my conversation from earlier today with Cameron Teak Robinson. This is the point of the podcast where I say joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time, but for this one in particular, I feel like the intro of returning to the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is more accurate. So, returning to the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the Louisville 
football beat writer for the Louisville Courier-Journal and former Tribune Mizzou Athletics beat reporter Cameron Teague Robinson. How are you doing, Cam? I'm good, Eric. How are you? Good. Just kind of give everyone a broad update. How has life been since uh, moving away from Columbia? Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been good. Um, I mean, I got, I got here, and it was really funny because I moved to Louisville, and, like, my first day I was covering the ACC baseball tournament, and I was just like, why am I covering baseball? Like, I mean, we cover baseball at Mizzou, but it was never, like, we never had, like, a beat writer, like, you're covering baseball there in the spring. Uh, and I quickly learned that Louisville has a very, very good baseball program. So, like, a month into me moving here, I was in Omaha for the College World Series and had a kind of pull and then came back, and it was a full-court press for football. was expected to be bad, but turned it around. I had a one season last year, so that was a pretty um, hectic football season. And then, obviously, just like every other reporter in the country right now, I was in the middle of the COVID pandem- pandemic and trying to figure out what's going on with football and fall sports. And um, But it's it's been fun, very busy. Not a lot of time off, but it's been a lot of fun. Is there anything you miss about Columbia? Oh, man, yeah, a lot. I miss the food. I miss I miss Trots. I miss Shakespeare's. I miss the people. The people in Columbia are great. Um, I do miss, like, some of the coaches. I actually got a chance to talk to Conzo Martin a couple of times for a really big project I was working on here um, about the lack of black coaches in NCAA. Um, so I do miss talking to Conzo a lot because Conzo's a great guy. Um uh, it's, it's mainly the people, and also Trops, Shakes, and Caldies. Called the call, the, my, that was my coffee spot of choice. Uh, oftentimes when I was there, I was afraid you were going to mention Caldies because the one on Ninth Street is closing. Um, is it really? Yeah, it's for the pandemic. It's, it hasn't. It's because I left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pandemic hit, and, and I went by there a couple couple days ago, and they have not reopened, and the chairs are gone, and everything. It, it's, it's, oh. There's more. There's more in the St. Louis area that I've seen, but that, 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 that one unfortunately didn't make it. But oh man, and literally, and it's, oh, so many. I wrote so many stories there. But uh, I, I love that place. That sucks. I know. Yeah, no, the really good coffee. And I, I wonder where if you were to where you would have transitioned to maybe across the street. There's a couple. I mean, the the couple places across the street and Sparky's are, are reopened right right there. But no. Yeah. I don't think I do not think Caldies has reopened in as of a couple of days ago, but I just I, I wanted to let you know that because I know how how much time you absolutely spent there. But yeah, I love that place. Yeah, but you know, uh, so just kind of walk me through, you know, just what are the differences in terms of Louisville athletics and re- representing like a not the biggest university in a state or covering, you know, the biggest university in the state because obviously you have Kentucky about an hour from Louisville and Lexington, and covering Mizzou, which is pretty. I'd like to say on challenge, the most popular university in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different um, because in Kentucky, I mean, there's only there's no pro sports, so like you you are a fan of two teams. You're a fan of Louisville. You're a fan of Kentucky. And what I very quickly realized is that everyone outside of Kentucky is mostly fans of, of uh, everybody outside of Louisville are mostly fans of UK, and then it's like split down the middle here in Louisville. Um, but college sports are a religion here. It's um, it's it's not it's not it's like there's that's all they care about. Um, so it's it's been good. I think covering the team is different because the Mizzou and you know the 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 competition on the beat is unmatched. I think I think Tennessee has a similar beat. I think Alabama, Ohio State has similar beats. Um, now that I've gotten to know some of the ACC people, I think Clemson has a similar beat. Um, but the competition on the Mizzou beat with the Tribune, the Missourian, the Star, Partisan, the Dispatch, it's it's not the same as it is here. Um, so that that's definitely been a difference. 
Um, access and everything, I think, is still around the same. Um, I think me being working for the Courier Journal, which is the biggest paper in Kentucky, I think I do get a little bit more of whatever I want, which is kind of nice sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I have a pretty good relationship with the SID, um, and really all the SIDs. So um, we've been able to kind of establish a pretty good rapport pretty quickly. Um, and I think, and I, I will say this, another another thing that's been a big difference, and I didn't cover football specifically, like, in depth, like it's in O'Berry a lot. Um, but I think the Louisville coaching staff is pretty, I mean, they're pretty open with everything. They're pretty good, pretty, pretty good to work with. Coach Satterfield has been pretty good to me. Um, I think my first month here, he let me do a behind the scenes thing within the fall camp, which I mean, we did barely knew each other then. Um, so, um, I've had nothing but, um, good reviews of the staff and working for the CJ so far. Yeah. Mizzou and Louisville are, on, I guess, you know, just connected in a weird way of that Scott Satterfield was coach at App State before yeah. coming to Louisville, and now Missouri, obviously, Barry Odom's tenure here has ended, and Elias Drinkwitz is now the head coach, and he came from App State. Yeah. You know, just, did, did, have you ever talked to him about Drinkwitz? And it, but if not, how have you talked to him about his time at App State and kind of how that formed into coaching at the Power Five level? Yeah, we haven't talked about Drinkwitz too much. I think the, maybe the day after Drink uh, got, got the Mizzou job, I think I was sitting – it was like signing day, and I think I was sitting down with Satterfield for, for a story, like, to wrap up the season. And I mentioned to him um, – and I don't even remember what he said, but it wasn't like a very long conversation. Um, he do, we do talk about his App State time a lot. Um, and I, I think what you'll find is that the people who at App State – App State, it's like – it's I, I don't want to say that. It's, it's just similar to how college sports are here. It is a religion out there for App State football. Um, they, those fans out there are diehards. I remember leaving – what game was that? Louisville played at NC State, and there was a wake. There was an App State fan in the airport the morning after when I was flying out, and someone came up to me because um, I was like, hey, she was sitting next to me, and I was right. I was writing. I had Louisville's like media guide open, and she goes, "Oh, Louisville, you guys have Scott Satterfield. We love Scott Satterfield. Like, I mean, that's just App State is just. I mean, the diehard fans, they love their football program. Um, but I think what trans- transfers from that program to the Power Five level. And I don't know how it is with Drinkwitz yet. For Satterfield, it's been a lot of transparency. He's a pretty open book because he covered a program where it wasn't like a huge spotlight on him. Um, he didn't have to, didn't really have to be careful of too many things. Not that he's like hiding things or anything, but um, I just think he was just himself, really, um, really, um, I guess, even keeled, um, pretty genuine. Genuine is the word I was looking for there, um, and that kind of translated from App State to here so far as well. I know it's kind of the talk right now, but obviously you cover a conference that hasn't canceled football yet, as, yeah. as, as Mizzou is in the SEC. How does kind of the COVID-19 look on Louisville's campus? Because obviously everybody here is kind of knowing what it looks like on Mizzou's campus. So I always said there was that house party, I guess, a, a two weeks ago at this point, and yeah. apart from the men's soccer team. Just yeah. how, how would things kind of look from Louisville's perspective? Uh, I mean, if you if you really didn't think about, it, you didn't know about the men's soccer team, the party, uh, they were relatively good. Um, Louisville isn't reporting positive cases, but um, Satterfield went on um, what today show was it? Today the Today Show and said that they only had four um, within the players since they came back in June. So then Louisville confirmed it was they had four positive cases for the football team since um, June second they started testing, um, and they currently have no positive cases right now from what I was told. Um, and then, I mean, they, they shut down basketball practice for a couple of weeks in early June because they had a couple of cases, and then swimming had a couple of cases as well. But, outside, I mean, outside of that, you really just have the soccer party, um, which 
as a, just a, a story in of itself so that people would do that in the middle of a health pandemic and knowing you're in the middle of workouts and things of that nature. So, um, but other than that, everything has been pretty good, been pretty quiet here, unless there's something they haven't told us. But to the, up to this point, uh, we haven't, we haven't been told of, we haven't been told or seen a really big outbreak outside of the, the soccer party one. And you mentioned the UK Louisville rivalry. rivalry. Had you heard from fr- fans that like, oh man, the SEC kind of ruined that for us because the obviously SEC came out on that Wednesday and said we're gonna have a plus one model to keep the Clemson South Carolina, the Florida Florida State type yeah. game, Louisville Kentucky included in that open. Have you heard from any kind of the SEC side of things like, man, the SEC kind of ruined that for us? Oh man, I mean, the second the SEC came out and said we're not playing conference games, my mentions blew. When I wrote the story, my mentions blew up and of like Louisville fans saying Kentucky's scared. And it's almost acting like Kentucky had the choice. It's just, it's how rivalries go. If you if you if your conference is the one that says you want to play, and the other person's conference says we're not playing, you're automatically going to assume that you're automatically going to say the SEC or Kentucky messed it up. Um, this is, I mean, that's just how fans are. I think it would be vice versa if if the SEC said we wanted to play, and the ACC said no, we don't want to play conference games. It would have been vice versa too. Um, I know Louisville fans are particularly specifically looking forward to it this year because. I mean, Louisville's got a really good team this year, um, and they got thumped by Kentucky last year when they probably shouldn't have lost that bad. Um, so I know Louisville fans were looking forward to it this year, but um, yeah, it's, it's it's tough. I think I think that's a blow to the entire state because that Governor's Cup is a big deal for sure. Gotcha. And kind of going, coming back to your time in Columbia, you I believe if the timing is right off my memory, you got here either June or July of 2016, and then May of 2019 is when you went to the Career Journal, correct? Yeah, I think I got to Columbia in July. It was like right after July 4th. Cause my, I flew to Columbia for my interview, I think, the weekend of July 4th. Right. I, I remember that you were here in time for uh, two a days for, for yeah, Friday. Justin, <laughs> yeah, just in time. Just like Danny, just like myself, uh, you started as a prep guy and then got elevated to the Mizzou beat here. Kind of just walk yeah. me through your memories, maybe on the prep beat in Columbia, and then how that translated into your time covering college sports. Yeah, yeah, prep beat was awesome. I love it. It's 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 not a job like if you don't get a lot of glory, like you never really get like people don't think of it like as as I guess as prolific as like covering a pro team or a college team. But I, I mean, I wouldn't be who I am as a reporter without the prep beat. I think you you just that's where you learn to talk to people. You learn to get uh, game relationships. You learn to cover a team um, in a in a fair way. Like because you're covering kids, you're literally covering high school kids who don't really have a career out of this yet. Many of them probably won't play college sports, but you also have to cover, you have, you have to be polite, but also know that if they mess up, you should have to kind of write about it. So it's, that's where you kind of find that balance. Um, and I met, I mean, a, a lot of great people along the way. I mean, the coaches there, Kalia, I mean, there's some of them I still talk to, like, and I'm not like on a da- daily basis, but even whether it's the conversation on Twitter or a conversation on Facebook, I mean, I, I still talk to some of those, some of those people. Um, and then you get to see you get to see some of those athletes grow up. That's, that's, I mean, I, I love the prep beat, but um, yeah. And then I move, move into um, the college beat. It's the same skills. It's just on a bigger scale because you have more eyes on you, um, and it's a little bit more of like investigative. Like like you have to FOIA a bunch of different things, which is kind of some of the stuff I've been dealing with here recently, and um, just kind of elevating the skills you had on the prep beat just a little bit more. Um, on the, the college beat. But, um, I mean, like you said, Danny did it. I did it. You did it. Um, the prep beat is really a, a start for a lot of people. 
And I know a lot of people don't like to start there. When I was in college, I didn't want to start there, but it was the best thing for me, I think. Gotcha. And obviously now you can see with how Michael Porter Jr. is doing in the bubble. Yeah. He looked, he's got a lot of people people's breakout player. And you covered that year in Mizzou basketball the last time they made the NCAA tournament. If Michael Porter Jr. was healthy, did you think this team was going to go further than that Florida State oh, game? Man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, it was one of those things where I thought if he was healthy, and it's hard to say that because Cassius probably isn't who Cassius is if Mike's healthy because he, he doesn't have to have the – he's not a volume shooter like the way he was. Um but I mean, you think about putting Cassius and Mike and Mike on the floor at the same time with Jonte and and Jeremiah. I mean, I thought that was a team that could make the Sweet Sixteen at the very least. Um, I mean, because you knew the offensive talent Mike had. You just you didn't know what he had defensively. You didn't know how he was going to hold up physically at the college level at the time. Um, but I thought, man, if he was healthy, it was going to be really hard for the te- for teams to slow down everything they had offensively. It was just, it was so tough. Um, but it's not. It's good to see him playing well. Uh, but I imagine Mizzou fans are like, man, we could have had this if he if he was just if he didn't have a back problem uh, randomly at the beginning of the season. I com- I completely understand there. Uh, just kind of looking back, I mean, you did you you were at every home game for Mizzou football for I think those two years, seventeen and eighteen, and then you co- obviously covered the men's basketball team in depth. You spent a lot of time with Robin and the women's team here. Yeah. You know, those two years. Kind of what when looking back on your professional time in Columbia, do you have a favorite memory? Um, <laughs> probably, I mean, I, I probably something the Duke fans won't like. I, I'm trying to remember what Kentucky game that was. I think it was 18 where Mizzou was up really late in that game. And you got, it was, but Josh Allen kind of took over in that second half. Um, and really Mizzou couldn't move the ball and Kentucky just drove down the field to score a game with a touchdown after, um, oh man, what was it? A corner. Tyreek um, No, no. It was um, DeMarcus Acey. Oh, it was DeMarcus Acey, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and they, they called him for pass interference when it was a, very clearly an offense pass interference. I just think of the, like, that's kind of one of the best football games I remember covering because it was just so dramatic from start to finish. Um, I, I, I always remember covering Selfie because Selfie was such a, uh, I mean, a talented athlete, but just a, uh, just a, um, Dynamic personality as well, both on and off the court. Um, and then, and then in terms of men's basketball, I always remember um, covering the uh, Mizzou Kentucky game at at Mizzou when they beat them because uh, it was the first time uh, Kevin Knox came back to Columbia after not not committing to Mizzou when a lot of people thought he might. Um, that was uh, that was uh, that was a crazy game. That was one of those games where you couldn't even hear yourself think. Um, but yeah, those are the three. If I'm talking speaking specifically of like those three sports, um, I guess that's not really one specific women's basketball memory, but just really covering covering the whole all of Sophie's teams. Uh, she was just so she's just such a prolific athlete, um, and it was it was just fun to kind of watch her journey there at Mizzou. Yeah, that, I, I forgot a lot about that Kentucky game football wise. That was I think maybe even Halloween of 2018. And yeah, yeah some, some time around there. DeMarcus Stacey got called for the pass interference, and it was what, what I mixed up Tyree Gillespie was was he was the guy who was covering the receiver for or the tight end for Kentucky who did catch the game winning pass right there, and that, that was that was nuts. And I remember people always saying like, how is it going to top that South Carolina loss and how they lost that in that moment? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I remember it was might have been Danny or you said if they got one first down in the second half, they would have won that game, and they didn't. It was yeah. just that was just a 
That that that. Yeah, if I, if I remember right, I don't think like I I don't think Josh Allen was just so dominant in that second half. Um, it was just Mizzou couldn't move the ball at all. It was that was, I mean it's it was one of those games where like it was over quickly because there wasn't a lot of offense, but the end was just such something you just don't forget. Uh, so yeah, I always remember that game. Gotcha. And just kind of you know coming back to you, just what you're up to these days, kind of you know. What do you think, you know, if you had to predict, obviously you're not a doctor, but, you know, what what do you think is kind of the best thing for college football right now? Would you want to see them kind of pack it in and try for this spring? Or, you know, what would what would you want college football to do? Obviously you want to cover things, but do you yeah, think yeah. you to play college football right now? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's tough. I've gone back and forth on my thoughts. Like selfishly, like you said, we're journalists and we're sports writers, so we want to cover football. Um, like I, I, don't, I don't get any joy out of covering camp and asking these players about do they feel safe complaining during coronavirus and asking about all the coronavirus protocols and and like I just wrote a story literally just published a story just now about how much money Louisville's spending on coronavirus expenses like I, I don't look forward to do it. I don't like enjoy that I'd rather talk about football um but I don't know I've gone back and forth I think in some ways it's it, the the I think that the downside is like I, I think that and SC doctor just came out and said this it was like these guys aren't at greater risk to contract coronavirus by playing. Um, like they, they could get coronavirus just by in their day-to-day life. Um, and I, while I understand that, I think the risk is that although these guys have these protocols in their facilities and they have these strict guidelines and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are staying in their apartments and not going out to parties, not going out to like um, gatherings, they still have to go to class. Um, and when you go to class, you have it, and you're around students who don't have the same protocols and guidelines, who may not be getting tested as much as you. You don't know whether you have that. You can, they can be asymptomatic and not know whether they have it or not. So you can you can pass that along in the practice to a few players, which can very easily be passed along to another team on a game day. Um, it's just such a risk. And I, I, and I my, my thought is, in a perfect world, they play this in a bubble for the whole year. I'm talking about all of NCAA sports. Because what we've seen is that that works. It's just I just don't think the NCAA wants to do that um, because then you're making these kids do online classes and you're basically taking away that they're a student first before an athlete. Um, and I'm not sure the NCAA will do that. So I don't know, man. I've gone back and forth on it. I, th- I think it's good mentally and in a lot in a lot of ways for them to play. But at the same time, there's such a risk of passing this virus to guys and, and them getting long-term health issues. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question. I kind of go back and forth on it myself every day. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a crazy debate that I think so many people have so many opinions about, um, that I don't think will die down anytime soon either. All right. All right. That was, uh, Cameron Teague Robinson from the Louisville, Louisville Courier Journal. Obviously you guys remember from his time at Tribune. Before we go, Cam, uh, obviously you, you, I think you're at CJ Teague on Twitter. How can people find you, connect with you, now that remember you from your time covering Mizzou? Yeah, yeah, my Twitter is still the same, CJ underscore Teague. Um, you can follow all any all the work I have at thecurryjournal.com. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been a um, – I, I miss Columbia a lot. I, I think about it – I actually think about it – I thought about it the other day. I was talking to uh, – a lot of you guys would probably remember Hart Dyke, who was our photographer at the time. Um, who now works for Mizzou. We were talking the other day about Columbia. I just uh, missed that place. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Eric. No, yeah, it, it, it's good having you on, dude. Good catching up with you. It's been too long. I guess one yeah. final, final question. You mentioned props. You mentioned shakes. You mentioned now the closed callies, unfortunately. 
uh, what's, what's the one food place you go? Is it Shakes you're going just for food? The one go to when you, the first day you come back to Columbia, where's, where's the first meal? Oh man, that's tough. I don't know. I, I never went to Shakes specifically for food. It was more of just like pizza and like drinks. If I came back just for food, oh man, that's tough. Um, always enjoyed, um, what's the wing place where Danny made me eat the hot wings? Uh, C no, no, no. We it was because uh, C-Dates wasn't open. Is it Shiloh? Shiloh's right there. Yes, yeah. it was from Shiloh and what was formerly called Big Twelve Campus Big Bar. Big Twelve, yeah, it's Campus Bar, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I do miss the. Um, I can't even remember the name of the wings. I feel like I've been gone forever. It's only been like a year. Um, no, the Rodzilla wings were all, like I love those. They're always the go-to. Um, um, Ernie's, it's like a cafe. It was always right. the go-to. Um, there was another uh, like brunch place. Oh, Cafe Berlin was always a good spot. So if I had to pick, those would probably be my three spots that I would hit to right away. I'd probably go diner for brunch first and then Rodzilla Wings later in the night. All right. Well, thanks so much, Cam, for joining us. And I'm sure we'll have you on sometime again soon. But uh, thanks for catching up with you, man. And uh, it was good talking to you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here. We would like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. Thanks once again to Cam for joining us here. Uh, we've actually transitioned podcast rooms twice since he's been the host. He used to be in the old Tribune building, which is now a school. Uh, and then we were downstairs for a little while. Now we're across the street in the Tribune's printing press building. So uh, shout out to Cam. This podcast definitely isn't what it is without his efforts. And he's also obviously doing really well in Louisville. So, But before I go any further, the Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by our neighborhood Zaxby's today, and the Columbia location of Zaxby's is on North 63 and Stadium Drive. Have you had Zaxby's since you've been back to Columbia? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say, um, whenever you want a salad, which is a Zaxby's salad, if you couldn't catch on, they're the place to go, and delicious, and, and a lot of different um, variety, and when you want some chicken wings, definitely go to Zaxby's. Okay, we kind of touched on this right before the break, and I wanted to bring it up again because we just looked it up off recording. But uh, I, I said Langston had kind of a dig at Nebraska at Vanderbilt, and it turns out to be pretty true because I just looked it up. Langston, what was your guess as of the last time uh, Vanderbilt won a, a conference title? Uh, I guess 1971. It was hilariously off. <laughs> <laughs> the last time Vanderbilt has won a football conference title was 1923 as members of the Southern Conference before they joined the SEC. And they have been bowl eligible nine times. Since, since or have gotten to that bowl eligible threshold nine times since 1923, three times between 23 and 2007. They've done it six times to their favor since 2008. But man, wow, no, bad times there in Nashville for three bowl eligible, eligible eligible appearances right down the street from the Grand Old Opry from 23 to 07. That's 84 years. So one every 28 years of that. That's right in my head. You're asking the wrong person. Uh, if you're yeah, asking one to do every some math, because yeah, one every twenty-eight 
Yeah, something, something right around that. Anyway, so my apologies to Nebraska. You're better than Vanderbilt. Congrats. <laughs> if those Nebraska fans out there listening, we, we, I, I just wanted to make sure we, we got that under control. But anyway, coming back to the college football season, Mizzou is scheduled to open up camp here in on Monday. Recording this uh, kind of around four o'clock on August the 14th. That's worth saying because every day around five o'clock, there's been some breaking news that's come out, and we're I guess taking that risk while recording this. Uh, Mizzou is scheduled to open up camp, uh, and then they have a, uh, a, a really spread out camp because camp opens on August 17th, but their first game isn't until September 26th. Last year, camp opened up on August 2nd, and their first game was August 31st. So definitely a lot more time for Mizzou in there. Uh, just from a media perspective, we're, uh, only photographers are going to be allowed to come to practice, and that won't be me. Even though I shoot photos for the Tribune a lot of the time, it's going to be our photographer, Don Shrubshell, will be representing us there. Uh, so I won't be able to attend to practice. And they're only allowed 30 minutes at three different practices. So that's the only window we're getting to see. Uh, and we're not going to be allowed to talk to any quarterbacks or first-year players, whether that's freshmen or transfers, during this fall camp period. So maybe we'll check in with them for September. So I won't be able to ask Sean Robinson if he thinks he's going to be the starting quarterback. Or, But for me, that kind of actually uh, – where that inhibits is not so in the quarterbacks, it's the transfers in. I want to talk to the Kiki Chisholms and Damon, Damon Hazleton, wide receivers of the world. I want to talk to Michael Maletti, who's the uh, heir apparent to Chris, Tristan Colon-Castillo at center. And that's kind of where I came into play. Maybe talk to Will Norris from Columbia, went to Rockbridge about his development going from down the street on Providence Road to now playing for the Tigers as a lifelong Columbia native. So, yeah, that's kind of where Mizzou stands. And they're one of the three power fives. It's kind of checking in right now with, you know, still standing strong. And we'll see how kind of if there's still a season. But right now, SEC's holding pat with the Big 12 and ACC to try and play this thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how for it seemed for about 48 hours the fate of the college football season rested on the Big 12 and in the irony you know us being writing for the Columbia Daily Tribune and you know writing and talking about Mizzou that the fate of Mizzou season kind of rested in the hands of the Big 12 I thought was hilarious and extremely ironic but for you I guess if we kind of flip the podcast is like how do you kind of stay locked in stay focused on the season when it seems like every day at five o'clock there seems to be something changing and how are you kind of adapting on the fly as all that happens well one one thing i have say about said about journalism a lot is journalism in terms of news reporting is the world as it is you write opinions is the world as it should be and there's been a constant mix as to that so i've been writing as the world as it is and that's drawn some ire from some fans that you know it's the media's fault that college football is not happening which is a lazy trope and i don't need to get into why that's not the case here but if you think about it and you can't figure it out for yourselves i'm not gonna be able to help you not to diss any of you but anyway get getting off that subject but you know we're living in the middle of a pandemic and so the fact that the ncaa hasn't been able to figure this out this these have been conversations we should have had in march if not april that we're having in august now about saving the college football season if you, if you realize in the cash cow that the NCAA men's basketball tournament is for the NCAA and they cancel it and you realize how defiant the membership is going to be when you cancel winter and spring sports. But it turned out to be the exact right decision. But you see that kind of reaction. But then your next step is not going to be let's plan the fall and make sure that's not going to happen. The same thing's not going to happen. There's just some disconnect there for me is why are these conversations happening now as like, you know, where we have college football kind of in ruins at the end of the day 
the players have spoken out because they're unified and they've kind of gotten their messaging down. Why can't the adults and the so-called leaders in the room get their ducks in a row? And we're seeing the, the, the ill effects of that now. The blame isn't on any one person. It's kind of the system as a whole. You can't blame Mark Emmert without looking at the system that Emmert inherited and others around him have created. You can't blame any conference commissioner without blaming all five of them equally. You can't look at – as much as I hate to say this, you can't blame Kevin Warren for doing what he did best. My problem with him is, is the messaging after the fact. And that's why I think you said Larry Scott. That's where he's done okay. He hasn't done great. He's done okay. But you look at Bob Bowlesby, John Swafford, and Greg Sankey, the three uh, Power Five commissioners who are uh, football season still happening. Maybe they can come together now. You know, we'll see. At the end of the day, I, there was like rumors that came out from Yahoo Sports today of like there was a conf- conference coaches call about how they were lacking transparency, not about coronavirus, but about how the SEC came to their schedule. And that's a fair point. But if that's that's kind of a microcosm to me of like, wait. We're it, like someone put it out there, and this is horrible. But it's the exact right thing I thought of too. Is like, who cares to order the deck chairs are in when the Titanic's about to hit the iceberg? You're worrying about the deck chairs. You're going to worry about the iceberg. I'm so happy you brought that up because that reminded me because I saw that uh, that tweet from Yahoo Sports about that, and and I couldn't agree more. It's just like you guys just don't get it. Who cares? Like, I mean, honestly, I get it now that fall championships are being canceled and FBS and what's going to happen with a quote-unquote championship for football. Like, I understand it does matter who Missouri extra two opponents are. That does matter. But if you don't even get to a season, who cares what it was scheduled? The Big Ten, what, put out their revised schedule a week before they ended up canceling the entire season? It was season? less than a week. It was six days. It's yeah. Why are we why are we getting contentious over that, but not getting contentious about making definite plans and putting in protocols before they did, before this became a major problem? I, I, I don't know. And I, and I understand because if there were multiple head coaches, I guarantee you based off of his style, and I have a great working relationship with him, but Eli Drinkwitz is one of those five coaches who spoke up. There's no doubt about it. Him and Sam Pittman are the two obvious choices as to who they got, got drawn with. But, and I think that part of it is, you know, for a little bit, is sticking up for your players and sticking up that like Missouri could have gotten an easier draw than LSU Alabama Mm -hmm. on paper they could have you know getting Ole Miss was kind of the easy draw but at the end of the day the other two choices were Texas A&M who Phil Steele picked as the most underrated team in the country and Auburn who's ranked 11th in the country like there's not too much room to hide here from Missouri no matter what it just seems like partially to me and there's no again you cannot blame one individual person for this but now that we're actually here, it's like we're just kind of wishing it away all of a sudden. Like, now th- this is the process that should have happened without people in Columbia, maybe minor groups here. Maybe this is what should have happened in June once kids returned. And, th- and that's kind of the happy medium. You get, let the data happen and then see what happens. So it just feels like we're a little bit behind. And I don't know. I mean, I, ju- I just it, – it, it's – I want to cover sports. I really want to be able to drive to Baton Rouge. And I was looking it up the other day. Like, I couldn't believe that Mississippi State is Missouri's closest road game at eight hours away. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was. I thought it would have been Tennessee or maybe even Baton Rouge. But no, it's Mississippi State at only eight hours away. And like, I want to plan those trips because there's no way I'm getting on a plane right now. But <laughs> it, it it just it it can't happen at the moment. And you know, I'd like to check in hopefully by the next time we talk to you with 
the Brian Blitz of the world, the Josh Taylors of the world, the Mark Burns of the world to see how they feel about it. And we're really living in unprecedented times right now. It's uh, it's interesting. I would love to talk more sports. I really would. But it just seems like it's a little bit far-fetched with just how the world is spinning around us. Definitely. And it, and it, and it is really tough for your fall Olympic sports because it does seem to see it does seem like they're kind of taking a back seat to football but you've got you know teams such as Mizzou soccer cross country who now they have to figure out their season without a you know the ultimate goal you know a championship so it figuring out and getting their opinions on everything that's transpired because there is more going on than just football at this point and I think those are perspectives that need to you know be put out there and they need to be heard for sure sorry I, and i keep checking my phone a little bit while we're recording to make sure no news is breaking while we're recording because that would not be good while i was on my phone the first thing i saw is that Bayern munich has advanced to the champions league final by beating barcelona 8-2 in a one game thing 8-2 there you go leo, leo messi and all your soccer fans out there i don't know if you like european soccer langston i have no idea what you just said so cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay well I'm, I'm i'm european soccer for those of you out there who know what i'm talking about you got it Anyway, anything else you kind of want to talk about while while we're here? Uh, I mean, I guess I say it every, every podcast before we leave, but you know, thank thank you for the citizens in Colombia who are doing their best, staying socially distanced, wearing their mask, and you know, it seems like everyone hasn't done that. But if you continue to do that, maybe there will be high school football, maybe there'll be college football this season. So, I would like nothing more than for there to be college football and for us to cover it, and hopefully after a few Mizzou football practices next week we can talk to you some actual football give you some x's and o's as it pertains to the actual football season but right now mizzou is yet to have a fall practice in front of the media and until then we can't give you that opinion so we're going to be talking about the world that kind of has been this has been a really long three weeks over the past three days so with that said for Langston Newsom, i'm eric blom thanks for listening to this week's podcast and we'll see you next time